the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. One of my best friends growing up was adopted. And when we met, I think it was somewhere around sixth grade, so she knew all the ins and outs of the story already, and we talked about it a lot. We wondered about her biological family and where she would have come from and how knowing them might have changed things for her. And like everybody, we talked also a lot about her actual parents, who I knew. And uh, like every family, the sort of complicated kind of moving pieces of family life. And I remember distinctly, because it was my first introduction to, to somebody that actually was adopted, how clear it was to me that she belonged to them. And it was never more clear to me than when she was on stage. She happens to have a really beautiful, big voice. And um, so she was in every show and every play there ever was as we went through school together and all the choirs and all the concerts and all of those things. And it was never clearer to me that she belonged to her parents than when they were glued to the edge of those seats in the theater. And in particular, when her father, at the end of it, would get up and, and cry, and not like quietly, silently, appropriately cry, but like loud, messy cry, and cheer and clap and call her by name from stage. And you can imagine a teenager at that point rolling their eyes, right? Totally embarrassed. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, but as we got older, it was clear to me how much that mattered to her. She had been claimed. She had a home. She had a place. She belonged. And what was true for her is true for all of us, that as things got hard for her later and things happened in life that were difficult, she knew she had a soft place to land. She knew that she had people that loved her that she couldn't lose. And it mattered tremendously in the way that her life took shape. Affirmations like that are important for all of us. They're certainly important for our kids as our kids grow and get older and change. For them to know that they can become whoever they're intended to be and that we still love them and we will keep them and hold them, that's so important. But I think sometimes as adults we forget that it's important for us too. That we also need to be reminded of whose we are and to be affirmed in that. To be claimed and loved and owned by people and by God. In the gospel story this morning, that is what God does for Jesus. And it's an important moment for a whole host of reasons, but chief among them is because this is the moment when God claims Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water having been baptized by John. And the text tells us that the sky opens and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And a voice comes from the clouds that says, You are my son, the beloved. In you I am well pleased. He names Jesus calls Jesus, and affirms who Jesus will be. 
all in one moment. All in that one moment where Jesus sort of emerges from the water and the text tells us he's already praying and that's important. He's already doing the faithful thing. And God says, you are mine and I love you. This is the moment when Jesus' public ministry begins. After this, he's sort of driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And when he comes back, we have those three years of Jesus' active life that the Gospels really focus on. Most of the stories we have about him are about that period of his life, when he's showing us the path of love, the way for us to live as faithful people in the world. So this is the moment that calls him into that life. It sort of calls him almost into himself, into the work he's been given to do and ultimately leads him to the cross. This is the moment when it all begins, when God claims Jesus and affirms who he is and gets him ready to go do that work. For us, too, baptism is that same moment of claiming. It's the moment when we are adopted when we become daughters and sons of God, when we are given a place in the kingdom and a spot in the family that we can never lose. It's, the, it's also the moment when we are invited into the work of being good Christians and faithful people who follow after Jesus, which is why we make all those promises in the baptismal covenant about coming back to this place and about being fed at this table by holy mysteries and about listening to scripture and tradition and learning to love our neighbor and seek justice and build peace and respect the dignity of every human being. That's why we make those promises, because it's meant to hedge in the work that we are called to do, the work that we are anointed to do in baptism. But for us, too, that moment is the same thing. The only difference, really, is that Jesus doesn't need to be cleansed in the waters of baptism like we do. He doesn't fall short. He doesn't make mistakes. We do. We need some help there. But what we share with him in this moment of baptism is that same moment of claiming when God says, you are mine. I love you. I will save you. And I think as adults, you know, we, we forget sometimes to say that to each other, to hear it from each other, and to let ourselves really take it in when God says it to us. Baptism is the promise that even when we couldn't feel it, and we couldn't see it, and we couldn't hear it, God was sitting on those cedar seats, or on the park bench, or on the seat behind you in class, or on the stairs outside your room, or in the car two behind you, cheering loudly, wildly, ready to completely embarrass you over the top, because God longs for you to know and to let in the fact that you are beloved. This is the good news of this text. That before we've done anything, before we've earned it, before we think we can even begin to deserve it, in the waters of baptism, God has already done it for us. The invitation, then, is for us to take those promises seriously and to let that love so live in us that it creates something new, the way that Jesus' life does. But before we can do that, we first have to figure out how to really take that in, how to really open our hearts to the fact that we don't have to do anything to earn it. It just is. 
all around us all the time. And we have to figure out how to let ourselves sort of have that. We don't do that very well, I don't think. The world rather tells us that we need to be self-starters and self-realized and stand on our own two feet and control everything around us. When what we really need sometimes is to know that we belong. And there's a place for us that can't be taken away from us. And that God loves us more than we can imagine. So this morning as we think about baptism, I'd invite you to consider how you have let those promises of our baptismal covenant hedge in your life. The ones that you do well and maybe the ones you need to work on. But if you hear nothing else this morning and you remember nothing else about the baptism of Jesus, remember this. That as God claims Jesus in this story, so too at your baptism does God claim you. And as God anoints Jesus to go out and change the world, so too at your baptism does God anoint you. And that if you choose to follow this Redeemer who saves us down the road, if you choose to live your life in such a a way that those promises become the boundaries of your life, boundaries, by the way, that give you a safe place and set you free, if you choose to do that, then also to you as well, the voice will come that says, I am well pleased. You are my beloved. I am well pleased. Amen.